Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Welcome back to the Greener Way. It's that time of year when we pause to reflect on the past and plan for the future. Is one of your New Year's resolutions to help save the world and align your investments with your values? Then you're in the right place. I'm Rosemary Petrus, Senior Journalist, and today we're talking to Louise Edkins, one half of the co-founders of Ethical Investment Advisors. Louise is here to share her insights garnered from three decades helping clients make ethical investment decisions. So if you've ever wondered how to merge your financial goals with your aspirations to create a better world, stay tuned. We've got an ethical investment expert here to guide you through it all. Welcome to the podcast, Louise. Thank you, Rosemary. Louise, tell us about yourself and your role at Ethical Investment Advisors. Well, I'm a director and senior financial planner at Ethical Investment Advisors. We're advisors that specialise in ethical investment and have 13 advisors across Australia. Our clients are investors that want performance, but they also want to reflect their ethical values. So they're concerned about the environment and society and want to be part of the solution rather than the problem. Great. So, What's the typical profile of clients who seek your expertise? What kind of questions do they ask? What is their risk appetite like? And how do they weigh generating financial returns versus creating positive impact? Our typical clients are really someone who has accumulated wealth and wants to protect it. So in terms of performance and climate risk, so they don't want to just be avoiding environmental and social risks. They also want to be part of positive planet solutions. They tend to be people of all ages, mainly informed people who are generally highly educated and tend to be people who are engaged in social and environmental issues and see the risks in current investment and opportunities in ethical investment. Walk us through the process of evaluating whether a company or a particular investment product aligns with ethical criteria. Well, we ask the client about their ethical values, what they want to be investing in and what they want to be avoiding, because we really tailor their investments to their own ethical values. There's no right or wrong in what is ethical. It's really a subjective issue and there are degrees of grey as well. For example, A client might not want to invest in animal testing for cosmetics, but they could be okay with medical companies using best practice accredited animal testing for medical research. We use software and a range of sources to evaluate the ethics of the investment products and companies. We engage with investment products and companies about their activities and any concerns we might have on ethical issues. The main key is transparency letting the client know exactly what they're investing in and how ethical the companies are with latest updates on social environmental practices so that they can make decisions on what's the best investments for them. It's about informing and empowering the investor so that they can reflect their own ethical values in their investments. So you really tailor each portfolio with the specific client. Do you follow traditional ESG criteria? 
Well, traditional ESG criteria has a place. It's about reducing the risks and by assessing the climate and social and governance risks of companies. But a lot of our clients are really about being part of the solution and wanting to not just avoid the risks, but actually want to be investing for the opportunities because there are Mm -hmm. quite a lot of opportunities investing for future technologies and Mm -hmm. um, areas to address planet issues. So there's a lot of impact investing in there? A lot of impact investing, um, a lot of investing in um, areas that, you know, are about energy efficiency technology, um, healthcare technology, Mm -hmm. and a lot of really interesting things, particularly in the global space where there is some really great um, forward thinking and infrastructure in the environmental and social space. When you're kind of evaluating these companies, how do you balance the competing elements of ESG at play? For example, EVs, renewable energy and other clean tech rely on lithium and cobalt minerals which have been flagged as potentially environmentally destructive and linked to slave labour, child labour and displacement of Indigenous communities. So how can ethical investors reconcile these complex challenges? I think it's really about digging deeper. Uh, We do um, a lot of investigation on the investment opportunities in that space and Lithium and cobalt can be sourced from responsible companies that employ Mm -hmm. environmental and social practices that are not exploitative. For example, cobalt from the Congo is a concern, but Mm -hmm. cobalt from the Pilbara in particular mining companies with best practice is an option. So it's about finding the, uh, the best sources of those minerals and engaging with those companies as well to ensure that they have got good practices. It's also about looking at the whole supply chain and choosing the best that you can choose. Um, Everyone has an impact on the environment, but it's about the most minimal impact and encouraging companies to do the right thing and supporting those that do and not supporting those companies and countries that are part of the problem with modern Mm -hmm. slavery and poor environmental governance. Are there particular countries that that ethical investors shouldn't be investing in? There are. Um, I think mainly when you're looking at minerals particularly, um, ideally it's it's good to look at Australian-based mineral companies because mm-hmm. there are certain standards in place. I suppose that's where um, a specialist like ourselves comes into play because we do have the research um, that we access about the controversies of certain companies and what they're mm-hmm. up to. And so we can uh, ensure that people invest in line with their values that way. What I'm hearing is that governance plays a really strong role in that decision-making process. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's about being accountable and transparent. And so that's the main issues I think for most investors I think investors should ask questions of their advisor, their investment fund, their superannuation Mm -hmm. fund. It is um, your money and you're entitled to accountability on where it's invested and what it's doing. Mm -hmm. I also think the more questions that the the consumer or the investor asks, the more these issues will be addressed and um, concerns raised will be taken more seriously. 
So how have exclusion lists changed over time in response to shifting societal values and needs? For example, I'm thinking about the recent change in public sentiment towards nuclear power. Just 12 years ago, nearly two-thirds of Aussies opposed nuclear power to help cut greenhouse gas emissions. But today, over half the population support the idea. So how do you expect ethical investors to respond in their approach to exclusion lists and other investment decisions? Well, as I said previously, it is about people's own personal values and reflecting those. Um, I have found, though, in our client base that people really are still against nuclear, uh, mainly because of the spent plutonium radioactivity that Mm -hmm. hasn't really been addressed. Um, That's 24,000 years of storage to to ensure that it's Mm -hmm. safe. I think on the exclusion side, not a lot has changed, I don't feel. Um, I think there's still more there's still a stronger focus now on climate change and trying to exclude companies in the fossil fuel industry. But I also think there's more um, focus now on impact and positive plant solutions. So things like protecting biodiversity is a very new theme that um, is particularly a strong one recently. Mm-hmm. You know, nuclear has its place as well. You know, it has benefits in cold climate, high population countries. But in Australia, it really is uncompetitive compared to wind and solar in a low um, population country that doesn't, you know, have snow and doesn't really need to um, have something like nuclear. So Mm -hmm. there are certainly a lot of um, solutions to climate change, but I I feel that um, we need to look at as many as possible, really. I was wondering on that exclusions note, I... I think some people argue against having a strict exclusion list because if you divest from a company, say a fossil fuel company, then they then you have less less power over what their decisions moving forward will be. Like you can't really have that stewardship and engagement approach with them if you're not invested in that company anymore and their decisions in the future will be out of your hands. What's your stance on that? I think uh, there are a number of ways that you can engage with, with companies. The small investor doesn't really have a lot of power in, in influence, they can't actually engage in with a Rio Tinto or Woodside directly. It requires a big fund manager to do that or a big super mm-hmm. fund. So those yeah. are the people that really should be doing the engagement and really um, mm-hmm. trying to influence those sort of companies about their oil assets or their fossil fuel mm-hmm. assets and being more transparent there. The small investor, I think, sees a a lot of risk in investing in those things and being part Mm -hmm. of that and not wanting to be part of that. A lot of my clients won't invest in that, but then they can be active shareholders in particular companies that um, through shareholder resolutions. So that's Mm -hmm. where they see they've got more power in um, the shareholder resolutions brought up by activist groups rather than just holding the company as part of their super fund. Describe the landscape of ethical investing in the current global economic and geopolitical climate. 
We have unfortunate events at the moment in Ukraine and the Middle East. Um, not only is it unfortunate you know, being in, in war, but it's also had an impact on the oil, coal and gas prices rising dramatically, mm-hmm. which unfortunately has reduced the impetus on renewable energy. And so while those prices are high in those fossil fuel sectors, the renewable sector has become undervalued. So it is really a great opportunity. The world is electrifying and countries are transitioning with governments and companies becoming increasingly accountable for their emissions and required to have emissions targets. Oil, coal and coal have massively underperformed in the market for the previous 20 years before the Ukraine war erupted. So if anything, Mm -hmm. there is an impetus as the price of oil increases to look at more affordable energy, like renewable energy. And so the financial and environmental metrics do stack up. I think the US Inflation Reduction Act and EU legislation is a good impetus for this sector. And so oil, coal and gas will start costing too much in emissions taxes and to extract and burn in coming years. And there are considerable financial risks in holding stocks like that. Do you think that the fluctuating energy costs with oil and gas is likely to impact on the need for energy security and perhaps more investment will go towards renewable as a result of conflicts that impact on the oil and gas prices? I do believe that a lot of countries are trying to keep their uh, security of um, their assets in-house now, um, particularly after a lot of the supply issues um, we had with COVID. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're having a lot of, for example, you know, lithium in, in the Pilbara being processed um, and starting that route so that it doesn't have to be processed offshore. So I think we are, are trying to take control of our um, assets in a, in a way to you know, be part of the electrification solution in Australia and as are other countries too. We've been hearing from Louise Edkins from Ethical Investment Advisors. Louise, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Rosemary. I'm Rosemary Petrus. Thank you for listening to The Greener Way. Thanks for listening to The Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service Licence and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.